Stay tuned now for the Racing for Heroes radio show with host Brett Morash on 1460 WBOX. All right, Racing for Heroes fans, we are back uh, here at WBOX, uh, 1460 AM, worldwide at WBOX.com and live on Facebook. Uh, and it is January 14th. Uh, as we go into the new year, uh, we're looking toward uh, what new exciting things are happening. Uh, we have two guests today. Uh, our first guest is from Canada. Uh, he served in the Canadian Army, uh, and his name is Ian Bradbury. He's been on the show before. Today he's going to be talking about a few things going on. Um, but uh, I think in order to have, you know, anytime Ian's on, I think we have to play uh, Canadian National Anthem. So it is. All right, Ian, we're not going to play the whole thing. It's not a hockey game. Hey, good morning, Brett. <laughs> How are you doing, Ian? I'm doing fantastic this morning. Thanks for having me back on. Well, listen, I think we every time we have you back, I think we have to play O Canada. I, I think what we'll do is no, we'll play different parts of it over time. I am totally fine with that. <laughs> so let's let's jump right into what you've been doing. So, um, you know, first, just to re refresh everyone, you have the dubious distinction of destroying... Uh, an MTU diesel by sucking the air box into it. Um, so how did that happen again? Let, let's just uh, recap. Well, uh, that that was uh, back on Roto 8 in uh, the former Yugoslavia uh, way back in 2001. Uh, it was in an AVGP heading up the side of one of the uh, fantastic local mountains there. And uh, we were having a little bit of a hard time getting up. And uh, the crew chief told me to punch it. And I did. And next thing you know, like it. The, uh, <laughs> it sounded like a rocket had hit us. The, uh, the air filter got sucked in clean through the engine, and uh, that that was the end of that. And we were uh, stuck on the side of the mountain with the AVGP. I know. Did they ever they ever fix that uh, grizzly? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know what? Uh, my, myself and the other driver of the vehicle then spent the next week pulling the uh, engine out and sticking a new one in. It was uh, a pretty interesting experience for sure. See, not many people can say that they've destroyed a diesel. I mean, they're usually pretty robust, but uh, not if you not if you get hard things into the into the pistons. But uh, that's it. You, you you get it wind up and you give it a good punch on that uh, that gas pedal, and you can do a whole bunch of interesting things. No, to the the you know the supercharger <laughs> will really trash it. I mean, it's it's no joke. <laughs> So, uh, anyway, but you, you've actually made a, a, a little bit of a, a living uh, doing kind of peacekeeping operations post-military. And, and um, I think that first we kind of talk about checking in on like what's going on with COVID-19. Um, you know, we've had mother folks on like Glenn Knott um, up, up in the Maritimes talking about yeah. dirt, dirt track racing. So what's going on with COVID up in Canada? You know, COVID's been a really interesting go uh, for Canada, uh, particularly because we, we don't really have a, a single federal policy. It's been split up uh, based on provincial authority. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had some of the longest running and most authoritarian measures in the world. Um, there's actually a, a couple different websites that track the different measures and programs that have uh, been put in place around the world, and, and Canada's consistently hitting in the top five. Um, we've had vax passports in most provinces now for mm. six months plus, and um, we're right now sitting on some pretty heavy restrictions as uh, Omicron has made its way through Canadian society. And uh, you know, it's, uh, it's we, we've seen a lot of breakthroughs. Uh, we've seen uh, some some pretty heavy impacts on the medical system. Um, now, part part of that is due to some of the mandates. 
uh, related to mandatory vaccination status, whereby we laid off quite a few healthcare workers from coast to coast. And shortly thereafter, we had the Omicron wave that uh, showed a lot of breakthroughs. So now we're suffering a little bit of uh, service delivery issues and, and uh, capacity issues from that. Yeah, and, and I, I think you told me the other day on the phone that they're actually uh, fining people with a pretty hefty fine um, for not getting vaccinated. Well, in fact, uh, Quebec, uh, the province of Quebec was uh, had announced that they were implementing a, a program such as that, and they were quite strange on the fact that they were going forward with this. Now, we saw just yesterday, it appears that the Quebec government is backtracking on that now. Uh, pr- pretty sure that uh, in, in Canada, it's, uh, it's, it's quite illegal to find somebody based on their medical choice. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah it's, nice. it's nice to see them, them backing down yeah. from some of that stuff. It's uh, quite a slippery slope once it gets going. Yeah, for sure. And and so let's uh, let's look at like what is going on with like major venues and stuff like that. And I, you know, I'm hoping that they open up the racing again um, oh, wow. up in the maritime. So how's it, what's going on with with like venues? So it's been uh, been off and on. Uh, back last summer when they implemented the VAX program, everything pretty much opened up at that point in time, whereby if you had a VAX pass, you, you could enter. Uh, throughout the fall months and uh, in, in the autumn, we saw that uh, a lot of the outbreaks were centered at these venues, uh, mm-hmm. hockey stadiums, concert sites, uh, restaurants, and, and indoor dining areas. So that's all been scaled back again now, and, and a lot of those venues are, are closed. So even... Those that do have the vax passes just simply can't access the venue's mm. not open. So uh, we're hoping to see uh, later this month a little bit of easing on that, probably a return to a, a green pass system. <laughs> I know British British Columbia has just announced that they've advanced their green pass now to include a, a booster dose. So you have to have three shots in order to get that vax pass. So. Uh-huh. It's, it's all pretty piecemeal from coast to coast, depending on which province you're looking at. Uh, some have extremely strict restrictions and everything's closed down. Others, a little bit less. So um, I think down in the Maritimes where you guys are looking at doing some dirt track and yeah. uh, you, you, guys, you, guys, you guys might be uh, unclosed un for an extra while yet. Yeah, because I, you know, we were talking with, well, first of all, Glenn's starting Racing for Heroes Canada. Um, and I, I, I think uh, last time I saw it, it was like I had a flag with a beaver, but I don't think that's what they're going to go with. But um <laughs> Uh, although I think it's amazing. Um, but, uh, you know, trying to do the cross um, border travel is still a problem, right? Like you can't just go from Canada to the U.S. and vice versa, or is that opened up? Well, you know, there's there's actually a lot of a lot of uh, movement on that just in the past couple of days. Mm. Uh, Canada is is raising some some new uh, measures to to cross the border from the United States. I know that that's going to be significantly impacting a lot of people within the uh, uh, supply sector and logistics sector, particularly the movement of goods and transport trucks and things like that. I think when it comes to individuals looking to uh, transit over, uh, for the most part, it is essential travel that they give you approval for. And you do have to have, um, it's a new Canada entry thing that that our border services has put into place. So you Mm. have to have this particular app on your cell phone. It has to contain all your vaccination data. Uh, You have to have that pre-approval. And then when you show up, uh, they they scan that then. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's getting... It's getting more restrictive in, in some areas, less restrictive in other areas, and depending on what your uh, individual status is uh, re- regarding vaccination, 
uh, it might be easier than than some other things. Well, I mean, you're seeing that with uh, with Djokovic with the tennis down in Australia. I mean, you know, every yeah. everywhere is so challenging and problematic. Absolutely. Well, I just saw that the NCAA down in the States is now recognizing uh, prior infection for 90 days out as equivalent to vaccination. Hmm. So I think I think we're seeing a, a lot of uh, fluidity in uh, what's accepted, what's not, what's considered okay, what, what isn't, and uh, what will allow you access. For but sure. If we look at the... Uh, Look at the European system. The European system since day one has been recognizing prior infection. I know that that's caused a lot of debate over this side, both in the United States and in Canada, yeah. uh, as to whether or not we'd recognize that. And I know some European states now have kind of backed off on it. Others have, have just joined in on it now, recognizing that. So I think probably over the next 12 months, we're, we're going to see quite a bit of fluidity in that. And I'd say that we're likely here on this side to start seeing uh, some more open recognition of prior infection, yeah. particularly seen as an Omicron, just going through, you know, it's it's going through the population and causing a lot of breakthrough cases. One hundred percent. So I, I think that we'll see a lot of fluidity. Yeah, going yeah for sure. So uh, let's shift gears here. Uh, I know one of the things that you focus on, um, you know, in your professional life is uh, extremism uh, on really both sides of the spectrum. Uh, anything interesting coming on um, in the coming days or months? Uh, absolutely. Actually, um, when I look at extremism, uh, my team uh, is, is really focused on what we call a full-spectrum approach to mm -hmm. countering extremism. So that really takes it out of uh, like a left-right binary and looks at it as a phenomena of, of extremism as it exists. And that does help re reduce some of the biases that exist in analysis and, and reporting on that. What we've been seeing here recently, particularly uh, in the U.S., is a, is a pretty heavy effort to redefine uh, a manifestation that's called accelerationism. Hmm. Um, we've been seeing some efforts to, to kind of shift it away from its traditional definitions and, and its traditional theories and moving it to reference something that's, that's new, that's American, and, and predominantly of the American right wing. Mm. Uh, this is a very dangerous movement, as that type of, of uh, shifting actually feeds into the goals of accelerationists, who generally would like to see uh, the collapse of, of Western capitalism and see it replaced by something uh, uh, more more socialist, like post-Marxist kind of thing. Yeah. It, it's quite complex. There, there's a lot of different uh, theories that align with it. There's also a lot of different tactics, and those tactics can be adopted by different groups. And I think that's where maybe some of the uh, American researchers are getting confused right now. Is hmm. they're, they're, they're seeing some of the far-right groups adopt the tactics used by the traditional accelerationist movement, and they're mistaking that as being core values rather than just the adoption of tactics. So. That one's really interesting. That's definitely one to keep an eye on because the accelerationist movement and and uh, those who actually really are, are pushing that ideology, our adversaries are taking great advantage of that. China's been doing it in their information operations now mm -hmm. for years, as has Russia. And now with this new mix coming from the, the, the domestic side, it's really confusing the information environment. So my suggestion to everybody would be to, to kind of take a step back if this is something you're looking at and really start considering extremism as a phenomenon 
And if you're narrowly focused on a, on a particular brand of extremism, be it far left, far right, um, anarcho, any of the, the jihadi movements or something, it would probably be a very good idea to advance your knowledge in, in some of the other ones. Uh, and, and one thing that I always tell new analysts and new researchers is it's probably a good idea to look at your own personal interest groups, identify one or two within there, and kind of do a deep dive to see if there's any connections to extremism within your own groups, because that's going to help to challenge your biases and help you actually look at it as a phenomena rather than, you know, something of a specific group. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And Ian, uh, we're going to post this um, online afterward on LinkedIn. In particular, I know you're very active there. Maybe you can put a little bit more um, online uh, a little later today when I get it posted up. Ah, fantastic. I'll make some comments and share some documents yeah. over. For sure. Uh, listen, uh, last minute until our new our next guest, uh, could you uh, let everyone know if they're interested in your work, uh, where they can find you, and what website? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm with the first NAEF. It's uh, www.1naef.org. Um, that website does need a little bit of updating here now for uh, for the new year, but uh, they can find us there. They can find us on uh, Twitter and LinkedIn as well under uh, First NAF pages. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Ian. Uh, glad to have you here. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, things will clear up up there and you guys will get a little more ability to move around up in the Canada. So thanks uh, so much. Fingers crossed. I'm really hoping to get down to that racetrack with you guys soon. You bet, brother. All right. Talk to you soon. All right, everyone. That was Ian Bradbury, uh, formerly of the Canadian Army, uh, just great all-around human and out there making a difference in the real world. Speaking about making a difference in the real world, we have our very own Alana Duffy, um, U.S. Army veteran uh, on and founder and CEO of Pathfinder. Alana, how are you doing? I am well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to have you back on. Uh, you've been such a good friend of Racing for Heroes over the past couple of years um, and just, you know, great woman about town. And, you know, one of the, as you know, the reason I got back to you uh, this past week was I was so impressed. You're going to the South Pole. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, because it's not going to be cold enough in, in New York this weekend. I figured... <laughs> May as well take on a, a continent that is a glacier. So um, you don't get the ribbon anymore if you're not on active duty. You know, you know that, right? You know that is, and and <laughs> would you? Well, I would say, would you believe? But I know that you would. Uh, that I had actually put in uh, on several occasions. I did put in for the Antarctica mission uh, because. I was counterintelligence, and there is a counterintelligence mission. Um, never got selected. They were like, uh, yeah, no, you're you're not going to be one of those like two people. I'm sure they were like warrant officers and mission officers <laughs> right. and whatever. So, and I was like, I'm a I'm an E4, and I want to go to Antarctica. <laughs> um, well, and first of all, it's an awesome thing, and you know the Navy because the Navy, as you probably know, used to kind of run the base there. And um, it, up until like 95, uh, and it used to be like a job that you could do in the Navy. It was like a one-year tour. And, but it was, it was considered like a get well tour. Like, so if you were like terrible at your job, you could go to Antarctica <laughs> for a year and get a check on the block and, and you help recover. But they stopped it like right around the time I was a division officer. So uh, I always, I oh, always man. like, hey, <laughs> how, bad can, how bad can it be? Of course, I always think of stripes when, um, at the very end of stripes when they send the guy to ice station yeah. zebra 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> the captain. They said the captain. John Larroquette's character. Um, oh. Uh, good stuff. But you're not going to have the EM50 urban assault vehicle. You're actually like humping it down there, but you actually have a challenge uh, in as much as you have a prosthetic leg. And uh, I'm yeah. assuming, if I'm if I remember correctly, there's a titanium rod that is inserted into your bone that goes out the yeah. bottom of your leg, and yeah. I, I would think that would make it relatively cold, so you can't walk around like with a peg leg. So what are they doing? Right. Yeah, um, I can't I can't completely like pirate the whole thing. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, actually the, uh, the VA is being, I, um, I think that they are more enthusiastic about this whole project than I am, uh, because they get to play with all of the, they're, they're problem solving and they're like, Ooh, something to play with, like super jazzed about it. But, um, no, I, I do have osseo integration, which is, uh, I, so I have a titanium rod that is inserted directly into the tibia and it uh, sticks out about two inches below uh, below the amputation where where the amputation was. And then I hook on essentially attachments. I'm kind of like, you know, like a, a KitchenAid mixer. Uh, <laughs> Put a blender on, on there. the leg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, like make some bread while we're down there. I don't know. The Navy's um, a big flipper if you were gonna go swimming. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, you know, that's, this is how I tell my nephews that I'm going to like show up next time with a jetpack. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, except that now they're definitely counting on it. So right. I'm, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, so I'm you can put a bottle rocket on it. You, you got, you got to go right? over the border into Pennsylvania and get some of those cheap, uh, right. cheap fireworks. <laughs> Yeah, It'd be yeah, just like hook up, <laughs> hook up something. Um, but uh, so they are, they're, we're looking at stuff. I mean, like there is um, uh, like a plumber's tape or uh, like that they would put on, that you put on pipes to keep them from freezing and stuff huh. like that. Because uh, there's, there's some, there's some low tech options. I know that one of the, one of the heads of the prosthetics team uh, is is trying to see if there's like a battery powered uh, like option to keep it warm, uh, huh. to keep it above freezing. Um, because it's even though titanium is not a, a great conductor, it still it does get pretty pretty achy, especially yeah. in in the cold. And you know that's at like thirty degrees now. Wind chill down at towards the pole is like negative forty. So, and that's during the summer, uh, right? The time you'll be there. I mean, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so it's uh, you know I'm I'm super super looking forward to this. So can you? Uh, yeah. So you must feel it now though, right? Because like I, I have a broken bone in yeah. my foot still, and like every once in a while, like if the weather's changing quickly, like I'll feel it. But I'm sure you yep. feel everything. I mean, you know, just because of the way it is. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know, they they did this great benefit where they they reconnected all the nerves. So so uh, you know, I I I feel all I feel a lot. Um, it's good bad, and, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
they were like, oh, that's super cool because now you don't get like phantom pains and stuff like that. And uh, which, yes, it's great. Uh, Go score one for technology and medicine. But uh, it also means that it it hurts in sometimes when it's um, like tomorrow it's supposed to be like 15 degrees or something in in New York City. And uh, I'm going to be feeling it. So, um, yeah. So it's and, and, you're, uh, and, and you can't just throw a regular boot on, right? Because like it, your prosthetic is kind of fixed, right? It doesn't articulate, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so they're actually they're they're modifying the boot. Uh, the the team that I'm going with, uh, which is um, both a, a couple of uh, some a few veterans and uh, a British explorer who has a charity that looks at global conservation and particularly Antarctica conservation. Um, so we are, uh, they, they sent me the boots early, uh, about a year early wow. so that I can drop them off because we quickly found that if I can even get a foot in there, I can't get it back out. So because <laughs> right. the ankle doesn't move. Uh, and the boots are are so rigid that you can't get them back out. So uh, so they're modifying the boot a little bit um, to be able to because uh, they're going to basically put a foot in there. But there's a mechanism kind of like on a, a bike wheel to to remove a bike wheel. Yeah. Like it's it's a lever and a pin. Oh, okay. Uh, so to be able to access the the lever piece, I need more a little bit more room in the boot. Huh. So um, so so there's some and between that and uh, you know I mean talking to car people with all the different temperatures and separation of and different types of materials that are used. I mean uh, the the cold point um, and the the expansion and contraction rates are different for the different types of metal hmm. that are used in the prosthetic. So um, so we're, we're uh, like they already moved it to a fiberglass foot instead of carbon fiber fiber and um, yeah. yeah, so oh, wow. so it's uh, you know, I mean I'm 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 pretty lucky that I'm, I'm not like you know a, a, a early explorer I'm gonna go on a on a wooden you know with Shackleton uh, yeah yeah <laughs> hanging out with Shackleton and my wooden peg um, <laughs> although that wouldn't have transferred the heat maybe maybe they had something going these teak wood right yeah yeah <laughs> wait listen we, we only got about two minutes left but wait we got yeah, about two minutes left put some resin on it all right all right I gotta check fire there sergeant um hey listen so um i knew i'd get a laugh out of that but uh hey listen so but uh so real quick on the tour so it's in december you're going to fly to south america and then onward movement right so how does that go yeah uh so we fly to uh a uh, we fly to where are we going point uh Arenas, i think okay. in uh um, chile in chile yeah and then uh, from there we go, uh, we actually skip most of the coast and we go a little bit inland to the uh, base camp of Mount Vincent, which is the tallest point in Antarctica, um, which given that I've climbed a couple of mountains, everybody's like, oh, aren't you, 
why don't you just climb and Vincent while you're there? Um, Isn't yeah, there like a cartoon like Mary from Denali or something like that or something like that? <laughs> you're gonna make you're gonna be a cartoon <laughs> character or at least a Barbie, like awesome Barbie. Oh yeah, yeah. I am. I I feel like I am a cartoon character most days. So. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, and then, uh, so we have a couple of days there to kind of, to, to group up, and then they fly us to the 89th parallel, uh, where they drop us off, and we cross-country ski uh, from the 89th to the South Pole, so. How many days uh, is that, is that part of the voyage journey, excuse me? Uh, uh, the, the, the trek, we're going to do it in like eight to ten, uh, they said that the Folks who have done this before are like, yeah, like trying to do it in in like six to eight days is pushing it too hard. Wow. So we'll we'll do it in like eight to ten. Um because there's pressure changes and uh well, crevasses. Like, I mean the cold too. There's things you can yeah. die. I mean you could you can like legitimately die near the South Pole. This is not an easy thing. Yeah. Yeah. And do yeah. you end up at yeah. um uh, it's not McMurdo base, I forgot is it uh Shackleton is the US base of the at South Pole? The one that kind of it walks now, it like it lifts itself yeah. up and it kind of walks. It's pretty slick how it's yeah. set up, which is super rat. Yeah, I mean it's not as cool as your leg thing, but like listen, if they can figure out how to make a base walk, <laughs> then I'm sure the VA can figure out how to help your boot. Or at least they should talk right. to like the like Nike Air guy, the one with the remember like the little basketball pump on the tongue. Maybe they could just yeah. fill it with air and like you know like. <laughs> I mean, my, my kids go to school with like those uh, thermoses and like, you know, it's still hot. I mean, there's got to be some technology out there. Oh, there's yeah. It. There's, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't want to, I, I, I listen, also and, have a thermos that I, stays hot. I'm going to use this as a copyright opportunity here that if it does, in fact, uh, they have to use the thermos model. Like you heard it here first on Race Spears Radio. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And listen, it is the last 30 seconds of the show. So listen, thank you for being on. Always a pleasure, and I'm sure we'll check in again with you before you're off to places other. Yes, thank you so much, and uh, and we'll talk soon. All right, my friend. All right, everyone. Uh, well, that's it for Race of Heroes Radio today. Uh, as we go off into uh, next week, uh, next week we're uh, gonna be having some great guests, and so please uh, tune in, uh, and we'll let you go with a little further down the road by the real Doug Lane. Thanks so much, everyone. It's just one way, it's just